Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! And welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. You got Joe Galina, you got George Kurtz, Sean Engel, producing our show. Keep us flying straight. George, how's it going? It's going well, Joe. Another uh, another Saturday, another weekend closer to football. Right, had the Hall of Fame game Thursday, so next week we get a next weekend we'll get a full full preseason uh, worth of action. And the week after that, we'll be complaining about when the preseason will end. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we'll actually be praying that there will be no major uh, injuries suffered, right? As uh, you know, these, these games go on, these exhibition games, right? That's the big fear that we all have, right, as fantasy players? Absolutely. I mean, I, I worry about that in practice. You see my mm-hmm. injuries about that. And you, I worry about that, you know, after practices end, that you know, all you play is make it through. Uh, it's a brutal sport. It's a brutal yeah. sport. Injuries are going to happen. It's why in fantasy land we always say you need depth. You need as much depth as possible because injuries, it's just a matter of time. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned that there was a, a Hall of Fame game this week. Uh, first of all, I just want to let everyone know that uh, uh, in the uh, second segment of this hour, we're going to have uh, Jeff Burks. Uh, he's a writer for SB Nation's WindyCityGridiron.com. Uh, to me, the Bears are one of the mo- most, uh, I'll say maybe intriguing or maybe fun teams to try to analyze as the season starts. They just have uh, just so many different moving parts to this team. So we'll be talking to Jeff Burks uh, from the WindyCityGridIron.com. So, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, what would you think of uh, what, what he did this past week? I mean, uh, any thoughts on uh, on uh, his performance this week? No, no. From a preseason game? No. Uh, especially uh, the first game. It's not like the Bears were doing anything uh, designed to stop them. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not going to see many defenses designing much of anything. No one's showing what they can do until week one of the, of the regular season. It was good to see him out there. You, know, sure. you saw his athleticism. You saw him throw the ball. He his what, first touchdown was the fellow rookie Hayden Hurst. It's, mm-hmm. it's a sign of things to come. I truly do believe it's a matter of time until Jackson takes over from Flacco this season. I'm not a big Flacco guy at all. It will mm-hmm. not be week one. You know, I think it may be into, uh, once the Ravens are out of it, which could right. be week eight, week nine, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Second half of the year, you'll see Lamar Jackson. But he still has value in two quarterback leagues because each week he will have a certain amount of plays designed for him, so he won't get zeros each week. And if Flacco gets hurt, obviously it takes over much sooner. Mm-hmm. And a fl- uh, flash from the uh, past, RG3 was actually on the field. Huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, yay. I mean, I'm not worried, too worried about third-string quarterbacks at this point. Uh, right, right. Uh, RG3, uh, I mean, it makes you wonder what would have happened if maybe things were handled correctly in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if not for the, him playing through that injury in the playoff game, I believe, versus Seattle, where he completely wrecked the knee. Uh, you know, it makes you, like I say, it makes you wonder what could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a busy week in fantasy, uh, not only with uh, football camps in full swing, 
but uh, the MLB trade di- deadline passed uh, July 31st and really didn't disappoint. We're going to be talking, the show's going to be mostly football, lots of, uh, you know, camp news to, to uh, report, but uh, we also have to, can't neglect uh, fantasy baseball. So uh, we'll be talking about that. You wrote a great article for the RotoExperts.com in terms of uh, winners and losers uh, at the trade deadline. A lot of a lot of moves, which was good. It was a, it was a fun time leading up to the trade deadline. Lots of activity. Yeah, there were a ton of trades, and we could complain about that. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we didn't get the monster deals, but you got that really before the deadline with Machado mm-hmm. being dealt and stuff like that. But teams were. Uh, Moving and shaking. Uh, there's no doubt uh, players were going all over the place. Chris Archer being dealt was mm-hmm. somewhat of a surprise. I mean, a lot of rumors, but uh, I didn't think anybody would actually pull the trigger on him. The Mets mm-hmm. deciding not to trade anybody. Oh, I can't say that was a surprise. That's the Mets <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, so it was, a, it was a fun deadline. Uh, it definitely, I didn't disappoint. A lot of times at the deadline, it does disappoint. We don't get the deals. This mm-hmm. year we got them, and we got more than just, you know, Blah deals. We got. I don't. Like I said I don't think we had a whole ton of major ones, but we had a whole bunch of uh, ones that are right in the middle. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely was not anticlimactic. But uh, you mentioned the Mets. Just you know, I saw there was a uh, Met fans were going to be offered free counseling uh, just to try to deal with uh, what's been going on with their team. I mean, it's just to to make no trades at all. Uh, kind of a. Were you surprised? I mean, I was I was kind of surprised in a way. But then again, this is the Mets, so why why be surprised? <laughs> well, I don't know if you could be surprised anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. You got the three-headed monster there at GM. That's not the way you want to run things. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I said it before, you know, I, uh, and I wasn't joking. You know, if I'm calling the Mets and I talk to GM1, do you have the power to make a deal? Can you say yes? If if not, then what the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. What, you got to go check with GM2, who has to go check with now the, the owners here? And deal's going to take date, and I'm, I'm not dealing with that. So I wonder if that played a part in it as well. I wonder if the Mets may be a little gun-shy after being raked over the coals for the Familia deal. We mm. have a lot, <laughs> a lot of pundits didn't feel like the Mets got all that much back for mm-hmm. Familia, which uh, I would agree with. So I wonder if that played a part in it. You know, not trading DeGrom, I, I think they should have, uh, at, at the very least, seen what they could have gotten for DeGrom. You know, mm-hmm. Thor I would have kept, and I don't blame them keep, uh, keeping Zach Wheeler either. But DeGrom, the difference is he's 30 years old. He'll be 31. You only have two more years of control. Do you truly believe you can compete in those two years? You know, before he's going he to he's gonna want to make big money? You know, so I think, you know, have sort of have that come to Jesus moment with yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, if the answer is no, that we can't compete, then he has to be dealt. You could have gotten a King's Ransom this year. You know, I mean, I guess you could probably do the same in the offseason, but uh, – it was surprising the Mets didn't do anything, but how you know, how, the, how the Mets go about their business, how they handle their young players. Why isn't Dominic Smith playing every day? Why is Wilma Flores still playing first base? I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. you got to find out if Smith can play or not. That's right, what the second right. half is for. Unless they've decided already that he can't. Because, uh, But I, I agree with you. At this stage of the game, put him in there every day and just get a final determination as to whether or not. Maybe, but maybe they have made that final determination. He's been uh, a bit disappointing. And, uh, you know, one of the first people to point that out was our friend uh, Lenny Melnick, uh, the the legend. I mean, he's got he's, no chance to play. Yeah. No one can say he's disappointing. No one can say he's never gotten a chance to play. He's well, got a he game has, here, a game there. Yeah. You've got to give a player months. Mm. Hey, listen, if this is the, what we're judging on, Mike Trout never becomes Mike Trout. Mm. Because when he first came up with the Angels, he was terrible. He was not very. He was not the trap we've come today. You've got to give baseball players a chance to play, and the Mets yeah. have not given Dominic Smith a chance. Yeah, why not give him uh, these these last couple of months to show what he's got? Why not? What do you, what do you have to lose? More but, games. Uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, I I I don't really think uh, he's a major leaguer, and but we'll see. So uh, we're going to be talking, like I said, lots of uh, football, but we. Uh, 
talk a little uh, baseball as well. But uh, what should our uh, fantasy players who are still uh, actively competing in fantasy baseball leagues, what kind of advice would you give them just in general uh, for the next couple of months uh, as they try to, you know, maybe move up the standings? Any uh, advice? Any sage advice? (laughs) Well, it depends on uh, what you're assuming your trade deadline's over, which it might be in, uh, in most leagues. I would hope it is. I don't, I'm not a big fan of a, a deep trade deadline. I believe it should end probably the Friday after the major league deadline ends or the Sunday, whichever one you want to go. But you want to get it over with. Uh, you'll get your categories now. What categories do you need help with? You know, uh, and it's, it's important because people sometimes get a little silly. They don't look at their, uh, they look at their roster, but not their standings. And mm-hmm. I don't mean the overall standings. I mean the standings in each category. You know, if you're in first place by 50 home runs, well, you don't need to keep putting power in your lineup. Right. You know, maybe you need to gain in RBIs, gain in speed. Same thing with pitching. That's what I'm looking at now. I'm concentrating on categories more than players. You know, players aren't really as important now. Uh, the categories where you're up big or you're down big, you know, hey, if you're in sixth place and the guy behind you is 70 points behind you and the guy ahead of you is 50 points ahead of you, well, you're stuck in sixth. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to worry about that category. You're not going anywhere. And that's where it's important to me. I tend to do that with all my categories. Uh, I just let little notations, you know, plus five, plus ten, you know, whatever system you want to use, letting me know, okay, I have a, you know, I think I have a 30% chance of gaining points here, or maybe it's 30% of losing points. So that's a, uh, that's a category you might want to protect, and vice versa. It's just playing the, uh, the category game. Where can I move up? Where can I move down? Where am I just, I'm done. That's all I'm going to, I'm not getting gaining any more points in this category, and I'm not losing any points. And you're also going to play the game of, you know, if, you, if your trade deadline is still active and you're thinking about making a deal, okay, if I make this deal, I have a chance to lose two points in saves, but I can gain four points in this category. Well, it's still a plus two, so that's still a deal you might want to do. Your ratios, as I believe you talked about last week, at this point, unless you're within really hundreds of a point here, maybe tenths of a point, you're not going to move up or move down too much. They're not going to mm-hmm. change. Your ratios are pretty much set right now, mm-hmm. but you want to look at them as well. But if you're – don't get fooled. If you're four points down – you know, you're probably not going to gain that gain that four point. It's difficult at this point, no matter who mm-hmm. you pick up. So keep that in mind as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, I also think that it might be a good time to really, you know, you have to remain active because I guess we know so many people are checking out of these leagues, these fantasy baseball leagues because of football and whatnot. But uh, it might be a good time to really ramp up and, and, and pay attention even more so. Maybe even start streaming. Like looking, you know, you might have a, a couple of players on your roster that are kind of, they're on your roster, but they're really not contributing anything, you know. Try to stream a little bit. Uh, maybe, you know, get stay as active as you can on the waiver wire and maybe look at matchups and, and whatnot. Yeah, I call it going down fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah, I'm not doing yeah. well in the league, I, I'm, you know, I'll go down in flames and I'll start mm-hmm. making moves. I'll start putting different players in. Hey, if I, I can finish last this group or try and get out of it, whatever it might be. I think the mm-hmm. most important thing is uh, if you're out of it and you, right. you know you know you're not finishing in the money, whatever it is for your league, don't just start. You know, have DL players in your starting lineup. Put just put a true starting lineup. Right, in. right. No one's right. saying you got to make roster moves and stuff like that. And listen, if you have nine thousand guys on a DL where you can't fill the lineup, fine. You know what are you going to do? But if you, it's frustrating. When we see a starting lineup with a DL player who was DL at the beginning of the uh, lineup period, <laughs> where you have a starter who could have right. been in there for him on the bench, right? That's you need annoying. to maintain the integrity of the league, right? Right. Make make your moves. I mean, no one's saying you got to make roster moves because that frustrates people too. Oh, you're mm-hmm. out of it. You're still making roster moves. So no one's saying you got to do that. Although I do. Mm-hmm. I'll let you know I do. 
I have no problem mm-hmm. doing that, making a roster move if I'm out of it or in it. I don't care. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't blame people who don't. But don't mm-hmm. start DL players when you have healthy ones on the bench. That's frustrating. Yeah, uh, and if you're still in it, and uh, like I, we talked uh, just a couple seconds ago about streaming, you know, look for those. I mean, if if you're close enough where you know you, you need some uh, some strikeouts, you're within range of moving up in the category strikeouts. Check out those two star pitchers every week, and and see if maybe you could uh, figure out uh, which ones are still on your waiver wire, which ones have uh, good matchups. I mean, you don't want to kill your team and just put a someone in your lineup who's has two starts just for the sake that he has two starts and, and you ruin you in other categories. Yeah, two-star pitchers can go uh, one way or the other. You be very careful. <laughs> a lot of these two-star guys, are there's a reason they're still out there. They're, they're bad. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, you got to be cautious. We do give them a little bump because obviously they get two starts, better chance for your accounting categories. But sure. there's also a chance they're going to wreck some ratios too. Uh, two starts, I tend to look at them more in yearly leagues, you know, rather than mm-hmm. head-to-head. You know, because head-to-head, like I said, those ratios count. They start from scratch each week. So uh, I could tend to worry about the guys blowing it up. You know, you're looking at matches, where they're pitching, how they've been doing lately. I don't really, I'll say this over and over again about most players. I don't care what they did the past four months. I only care what I think they're going to do in the next little future here. That's what matters. Forecasting, not what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Trends are important. I like this song. This is the Jacksons. Can you feel it? I remember watching this video where they were giants looking over uh, the world. Check it out. Well, we'll be back. We're going to start talking some fantasy football. You'll listen to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. All right, welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. You got Joe Galina, you got George Kurtz, the Fantasy Prince, Sean Angle, keeping us flying straight, producing the show. And uh, at this uh, point, we're going to switch gears, talk a little fantasy football. And uh, very pleased to have our next guest, Jeff Burks, uh, over at the uh, the WindyCityGridiron.com writes for SB Nation's WindyCityGridiron.com. You can follow him on Twitter at GridironBorn and uh, WindyCityGridiron.com. They have a Twitter handle as well at WCGridiron. Jeff, thanks for taking uh, part of your weekend out to talk to us. How you doing? I'm doing well. About yourself. Doing very well. Excited to talk about the Bears. I was just telling my uh, co-host George. I mean. Yeah, the Bears are a fun team to follow this preseason. Uh, just so many moving parts. Uh, so let's get right into it. So they have a new head coach in, in Matt Nagy. Uh, and, uh, you know, offensive coordinator for a while with the Chiefs. Uh, he's actually credited with getting the most out of uh, – 
quarterback uh, Alex Smith for the Chiefs. I mean, like it or not, Smith wasn't a great fantasy quarterback, but he did improve with Nagy as his offensive coordinator. So uh, what do we think that uh, Nagy and uh, the current Bears offensive coordinator, Mark Helfrich, what do you think they bring to the table in terms of uh, maybe any changes to the overall Bears offense this season? I'm not sure that you can get any more night and day than what we're experiencing going from Fox ball, where it seemed like John Fox wanted to do everything in his power to not let Mitchell Trubisky throw the ball to bringing in a creative play caller at Matt Nagy and brand new set of weapons around him. And so um, it's, it's actually really hard to uh, picture what this Bears offense is going to look like, even for us Bears fans, because I'm not sure we've seen anything close to what we're going to be seeing here soon. So really exciting from the Andy Reid tree, he was in Philadelphia with him, came over to Kansas City. So he's been in that system his entire coaching career. He's a former quarterback, um, and uh, he brings in Mark Helfrich from Oregon. So, he, you know, he's got some of those college concepts that Trubisky was successful with out in North Carolina. And so I just expect a lot of creativity, a lot of different personnel packages, and a lot of scheming guys open that we just haven't seen in Chicago in a long time. Yeah, Jeff, I mean, I think it's the first time in a a while where uh, Bears have legitimate players at all the skill positions. You got Trubisky, you got Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton. How is, uh, I mean, fantasy-wise, do you see Trubisky? You mentioned John Fox last year. Every We don't want Trubisky throwing the ball. Do you see Trubisky throwing the ball? I mean, could he be a useful fantasy quarterback this year? I guess that's the question. Do you think fantasy owners would be looking at, in two quarterback leagues, do you think they should be looking out for him? Absolutely. I, I've just been working on my draft uh, quarterback rankings, and I've gotten this 15. I'm sure that that means that I'm pretty bullish because I'm a Bears fan. But uh, I think he's certainly on the radar in the in the two-quarterback league, and I think he's worth a roster spot even in one-quarterback leagues as one of those guys where you uh, you know you want to wait a little while, you want to take two quarterbacks and play matchups. I think I think it's worth the risk. Uh, pair him up with a guy like Philip Rivers. Uh, who you know is going to be pretty consistent and, and take uh, Trubisky in case he breaks out, um, you know, like we're all hoping he does. And so he's certainly on the radar. I'm in a two-quarterback league. He's certainly someone that I want to uh, try to try to get there and have to fight another Bears fan for him. But, uh, yeah, definitely. He's, he, he should be talked about. He should be on the radar for everybody. So, uh, George mentioned all the different weapons that the Bears have uh, this season. Uh, Allen Robinson, obviously, uh, a lot of attention uh, his way coming off the torn ACL. Uh, you take what you hear at a training camp with a grain of salt, but so far we're hearing good things. I mean, uh, any chance that uh, Robinson, uh, you think, could produce maybe a, like a, a low-end wide receiver one? I, I mean, he's not being drafted as one or maybe, a, a you know, wide receiver two what are we thinking about uh his contributions to uh the offense this year i mean uh, it's got to help trubisky i mean he's a guy that could you know shag uh, passes that are uh, errantly thrown and uh, trubisky i think one of the the problems that uh, people have said about him is that uh, he might have some issues with accuracy i mean he has a big arm but the accuracy might not be all there well, I guess talk about Robinson. I mean, you say he has got to have experience in shagging balls. I mean, he had a, an incredible year under with Blake Bortles throwing the ball. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Trubisky's better than that. Let's, let's just start there. Uh, but <laughs> Robinson tore his ACL in game one last year. So, he's had a full year to recover um, by the time we kick off this season. So, you know, the modern-day NFL, but, you know, it was a clean ACL tear. It wasn't any other um, issues with the knee. And he's been, you know, ahead of progress on his recovery the whole 
the whole time. So um, I'm not I'm not really concerned about the injury. Um, he does project in as the number one wide receiver in this offense. It's going to be a much better offense. Uh, maybe there's too many weapons, which sounds crazy to say about a Bears team. Um, but but he does slot in to me as a wide receiver one in your fantasy team. I would I would take him as early as the third round, and I saw him going as late as fifth, sixth round. And some, to me, that's easy money at the draft table. Jeff, a lot of fantasy owners are worried about the uh, running back workload. How are they going to divide up the carries between Howard and Tariq Cohen? Howard, we know, has not the best receiving back on the planet here. How are you seeing the Bears divide the workload between these two? Howard's definitely going to get the most carries. And all he's done is uh, produce in, in the two years that he's been in the league. Uh, Cohen had a really exciting time on the field. It looked like he could do pretty much everything through a touchdown pass. He can line up in the slot. He can line up outside. He can carry the ball with effectiveness. He can return punts and kicks. And so um, if you're in a league that rewards, you know, obviously a PPR league or a league that even rewards uh, return yards, Cohen should definitely be on your, uh, on your radar. But I, I think people are sleeping on Howard. I think he's got the ability to, to be a bell cow. And so and I've got him as running back 10 uh, on my sheet. And, again, I'm, I'm high on these guys, but – uh, I think that the workload's there for him. Uh, he's not the best side of the backfield uh, catching the ball, but he doesn't have to be uh, to, to return that value uh, to your squad. So I, I wouldn't worry about Howard. Um, he's he's underrated uh, uh, the last two years, and he just all he's done is just you know won games for people. So I draft him with confidence. And Cohen's just a fun player to think about filling uh, all of those different roles. Uh, kind of think of. Part of what Tyree Hill's game was in Kansas City, I think Tariq Cohen's going to take over in Chicago. Hmm. You, you mentioned uh, Tyreek Hill, and uh, obviously Nagy uh, coached Tyreek Hill last year. Um, so just back to the passing game, um, where does, what, are you, what are you thinking about Anthony Miller this year? I mean, uh, so far he's been playing all over the field, and uh, but it looks like, I'm hearing rumors that he's going to start the season as the Bears slot receiver, uh, which means he could get a healthy dose of targets. And you mentioned, I mean, it, it's crazy to say, but, you know, the Bears almost have like a, an overabundance of, of, of talent at the wide receiver position at this stage. But what are we thinking about uh, Anthony Miller? I like Anthony Miller a lot. And when they drafted him, I immediately thought slot. And then when we signed Taylor Gabriel, um, you know, a lot of Bears fans were thinking that's, that's what he would be. I, I see him as a stretch the field, take the top off the defense kind of guy. And so that really opens up the slot role for uh, for Miller. And, you know, I think he's going, like, in the 14th round, uh, according to you know, Fantasy Football Calculator last time I checked. I think his preseason is going to bump him up a little. There's going to be some buzz. The guy just plays with an energy, has an aggressiveness. I think the, the fun draft day story I heard was when he got the call, he was going to be a second-round pick of the Bears. His first, the first words out of his mouth were, what took you guys so long? <laughs> and that's the type of that's the type of thing that you want to hear out of a out of a competitor and and a guy that's uh, you know looking to make an early impact. And so I think he's worth um, you know a flyer in the late rounds uh, and someone that could probably get in there and and produce wide receiver three uh, numbers for you. So it's hard to trust rookies, but um, he certainly has a, a path to targets and a good role in this offense. Well, since we keep talking rookies, uh, I play in a very deep IDP league, and uh, I had the 16th pick in the first round, and I was had my eyes on Roquan Smith, who went the pick before me, so I was kind of upset there. Roquan Smith, we uh, I guess ex- explain to the people what's going on here for those who don't know what's going on, and when do you think he might show up to camp? Well, 
Roquan Smith is the last unsigned player of the rookie draft, and so he gets that uh, wonderful distinction. Uh, I think the flippant responses from some of the Bears fans was, sure, Joey Bosa was the last guy signed. It worked out pretty good for him. Um, I, right now, what's, what seems to be going on, and there's a little bit of conflicting reports coming out, but uh, they're, they're working on some language that has to do with uh, guaranteed money and uh, if the Bears can vacate that guarantee based on suspensions, uh, particularly in-game suspensions like uh, what we saw on Thursday night with the, with the helmet rule, the new helmet rule, if that leads to a suspension, he doesn't want the Bears to have the ability to take away his guaranteed money. Um, I, I don't claim to be a, a labor contract expert or um, you know really understand the, understand the intricacies of, of, of contract disputes, but uh, it sure seems to me like he's made his point uh, now's the time to sign, get into camp, and, and earn a place on the field. And if he really wants to get involved with this type of work, get, get involved with the NFLPA and, and work uh, with league mates around the around the NFL to make the 2020 CBA better. That, that would be my advice to him. Um, he, I think he's made his point, and Chicago fans are pretty darn antsy. They want to see this guy in the field. We just watched Brian Urlacher get his Hall of Fame jacket last night. Uh, we are, have a proud tradition of uh, linebackers in Chicago, and we'd like to see that be added to it with uh, Roquan. You're uh, listening to uh, Jeff Burks. He joins us as a knowledgeable guest to talk in Chicago Bears football. You could follow him on Twitter at Gridironborn. He's a writer for SB Nation's WindyCityGridiron.com. And uh, so back to the – I keep on going back to the passing game, but uh, Taylor Gabriel, big play uh, receiver, lots of speed. Uh, do you think that he gets enough targets uh, to be draftable in season-long formats or maybe he's – the way that they're going to use him, you're thinking maybe he might be uh, best owned in best ball formats I mean, because of the occasional big play production. Do you think he gets enough attention to be draftable in season-long uh, leagues? I like the idea of the best ball because he does seem to project to have some big plays um, that you can't really predict week to week. I don't, I don't plan on carrying him in any season long league. I just don't see how that's going to be worth the roster spot. I, I can definitely see him getting play over the bye weeks. Uh, you send a wide receiver, you pick him up, you throw him in there, you hope for a long touchdown, uh, and and that's that's probably his role. Plenty of guys uh, are fantasy relevant that way, and, and Gabriel to me, projects to do that with the Bears offense, um, but I wouldn't draft him. Yeah, I'm not going to be in on Gabriel either. Uh, Trey Burton, how's he looking at camp? Uh, he played pretty well for with the Eagles, sort of uh, unheralded behind Zach Ertz, although played well when Ertz was out. Sometimes, big target over the middle, tight end, best friend for a young quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, Trey Burton was the obvious signing that everybody just sort of penciled in in the in free agency. Uh, it seems so obvious that, that Nagy was going to want a guy like that, and he was kind of open from Philadelphia. Philadelphia has the same roots with Peterson coming from Kansas City as well. So it just seemed like a, a natural fit. Uh, the talk is that he's going to fill the Travis Kelsey role, which, okay, if he's 75% of Travis Kelsey, I'll take it. Uh, Travis Kelsey, to me, is the number one tight end on the board uh, just because he's been productive and healthy the last few years and, and isn't really the focal point of that offense. And so um, I would love to see, you know, some semblance of that. 
in, it's a shallow tight end pool, and so he's certainly worth uh, being talked about as a tight end one. Um, the only thing that I have a little reservation with is second-year guy, Adam Shaheen. Uh, they're probably going to play both of those guys on the field at the same time. And I think once you get down in the red zone, Shaheen is just this hulking six-foot-six monster target. He caught three touchdown passes on only 12 uh, catches last year, and I just think he's a really interesting uh, red zone threat that might take away a lot of Burton's otherwise uh, high-end targets down in the red zone. All right, and uh, we uh, a lot of times we'll neglect uh, the fantasy defenses because in season-long leagues, usually the second-to-last pick that we'll make, right? But uh, uh, the Bears retained uh, last season's defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, and uh, probably I would think Nagy is going to probably be a little hands-off uh, with the defense and uh, let him call his own shots. But uh, Bears had a sneaky good fantasy defense last year. They uh, finished uh, ninth with uh, most fantasy points scored overall they kind of did it with almost like you know no name kind of guys I mean uh, what are we thinking about just the overall uh, fantasy uh, implications of uh, the uh, the uh, defensive unit uh, for the Bears the Bears defense uh, from a fantasy perspective they don't take the ball away enough uh, to to really challenge for one of those top five spots and I don't necessarily see that changing I don't think we've seen you know, the additions of playmakers that are going to take the ball away. But Fangio's got a really good concept that uh, keeps the score low, so you're always going to have uh, a chance of having a good base. And then I'll also mention, you know, the the Bears get the um, NFC West, uh, and so you get a couple of interesting matchups there. And then they have the AFC East, though so outside of the Patriots, you have three pretty tasty matchups uh, for that Bears defense. Uh, to look forward to. So there are some pretty good matchups down the line for, for the Bears defense. And if you're not, uh, you know, set on needing those turnovers, I think they could probably repeat as a top 10 fantasy defense, but low end. I guess we got to ask about Kevin White, right? Been hurt every year. Any <laughs> chance for him to do anything this season? <laughs> um, <laughs> probably not. No, I, I, I mean, he didn't play on Thursday night. I thought that was kind of interesting because uh, you do kind of want to see him get as many reps as possible. When he came, when he came out, he uh, he could basically only run the the go route and the stop route. At least that that was my assessment of him coming out of West Virginia. So I wasn't high on him being picked where he was to begin with. And all, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. It's fortunate for him. Seems like a great guy, um, but you know, there anything they get from him is gravy. Um, but obviously don't touch them on your fantasy roster. So, Jeff, uh, as we uh, head over to commercial, give me an over-under on uh, win total for the Bears this year. Uh, I'd probably set it at eight and a half. Um, I think that I'd want to challenge myself to see if I could say that they they get nine wins. That's why I'd want to set it at, at eight, eight and a half. I think eight and eight is definitely possible for this team. Like, like I said earlier with the schedule, I think there's some – pretty good matchups um, that the Bears match up well with. And it's a really tough division with Rodgers back healthy. Uh, I think Minnesota's the class. And uh, Detroit just has been giving us troubles for the last few years. So 8-8 um, eight eight would be a really good goal. I'd love to see him get 9-7. All right. Uh, great stuff from uh, Jeff Burks. You could follow him on Twitter, at GridIronBorn. Uh, he writes for SB Nation's uh, WindyCityGridiron.com. You can follow them at WC Gridiron. 
Jeff, uh, appreciate you taking the time out, spending part of your uh, weekend with us, and good luck to the Bears this year. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. You got it. All right. When we come back, lots more fantasy football talk. You're listening to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network with Joe Galina and George Kurtz. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Radio Network, Weekend Fantasy Update. And when you want to win your fantasy football league, you simply must go to the very best source of information you can find. And that is rotoexperts.com, senior writer Jake Seeley. It's an undisputable fact. No other fantasy football analyst in the industry is a better player ranker and accuracy expert than the all-in kid. In 2017, Jake Seeley was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry as verified by fantasypros.com. And he's been a consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. If you want to be the best, you got to go with the best. Get Jake Seeley's 2018 Fantasy Football Rankings now in the RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter promo code WINNER at checkout for a special discount. So uh, good stuff. Uh, in the last segment, George, uh, about the Bears. Bears, like I said, going to be a fun team to watch. Well, they finally have players at all the skill positions. Uh, that that mm-hmm. just certainly help. Uh, I mean, Jeff's certainly a little higher on his Bears. Uh, I'm not so sure anybody's putting Trubisky as a quarterback, possible <laughs> quarterback one, or, mm-hmm. or Alan Robinson as a wide receiver one for that matter. But uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's nice to see them, I keep saying, have a le- legitimate NFL offense. I mean, no matter mm-hmm. what you think about Trubisky, he is a legitimate NFL quarterback. Should only get better. Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, I, I like the combo on defense. Doesn't scare me away from Howard that Tariq Cohen is there. Robinson, mm-hmm. Anthony Miller, who actually I think could be a, a sleeper, is, once again, a solid wide receiver core. And Trey Burton gives them a tight end. The, uh, the pieces are there. You know, I don't know saying if, if he's going eight and a half. I'm going the under there as far as wins. Uh, he, set, mm-hmm. he pretty much set the reason why. That's already a tough division. And he got Green mm-hmm. Bay twice, Detroit twice, Minnesota twice. Good luck. You know, that's not going to be easy there. But the Bears are an up-and-coming team, one that I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, you would give a, couple, a year or two. I'd probably put the uh, over-under at six and a half. Mm. Well, there's definitely hope there. That's, I mean, at least it feels like they're moving in the right direction, right? And, uh, and that's the fun part also about uh, playing fantasy as well. I mean, there's, you know, the different analysts are going to uh, value their players differently as well. And, you know, you always try to 
take your emotions out of, uh, you know, ranking your players. And, and sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But in any case, like I said, it's going to be a, a fun season uh, in Chicago. Great fan base there. So uh, looking forward to seeing the Bears this season. So uh, why don't we just go around the league with a lot of uh, camp news uh, and uh, start with uh, your favorite team, the Bills. <laughs> I mean, unsurprisingly, not surprisingly, man, they have their pass offenses looked especially bad. Supposedly, uh, AJ McCarron looks indecisive on the field. Uh, Josh Allen has had like an up and down kind of camp. Uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy has showed up to camp, but you know, I mean, I, I'm avoiding him at all costs. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, this pass offense is going to be uh, something to stay away from, uh, in my opinion. But uh, word has it that AJ McCarron has looked pretty, uh, pretty bad on the field so far. Well, I don't think you're breaking news here. Uh, <laughs> stay away from. Yeah, I think that's pretty good advice. I mean, I really, I, I, there's nobody here I want. I mean, there's just Not nobody. even Kelvin Benjamin, no. No, I, I have no interest in no. Benjamin. Uh, mm. and if, there's, I'm never going into a draft saying, I'm, I'm, there's no way in hell I'm drafting this player. I never go into a draft saying that. Kelvin Benjamin could be there in round 12. I'll take him mm-hmm. in round 12. And I'll gladly mm-hmm. take him in round 12. Yeah, so, but other than that, I mean, you're talking the value has to be there for me to grab like, any any bear, uh, any bear, any bill mm-hmm. receiver. Then this, this includes Charles Clay too. He's a tight end too as well. I mean, LeSean McCoy. You can't say you wouldn't take him because, you know, running backs if they have a heartbeat, they're valuable. The problem with McCoy is obviously the, whatever's going to happen with this uh, investigation, which is just a weird one to, uh, to say the least. Uh, whatever, believe it or not, I mean, McCoy, obviously he didn't do it himself. He would have had to hire somebody or talk somebody into doing it. It's just weird that the only thing they took was what McCoy wanted back. Weird. Mm-hmm. And that's an awful big coincidence if uh, for that not to be true. Uh, but if I do draft McCoy, which he might come at value for you. McCoy, before all this, was probably a third-round pick, maybe late second round. If he goes there in round five... I don't think I'm going to be able to pass that up. That's value. I'm going to have to pull the trigger on that. I'm hoping so. – don't get me wrong. I'm hoping somebody else does because I don't want to be forced to make <laughs> that decision. I agree with you. Right. You don't want that right. decision. I'd be very right. happy if someone at the end of round four takes McCoy. Actually, I'm, I'm happy at any point someone takes McCoy because I also mm-hmm. know that means, well, now they're forced to waste a lot of spot on Chris Ivory. Because you, you, you draft McCoy, mm-hmm. you have to draft Ivory. And I don't like drafting mm-hmm. two players for one spot, which is also mm-hmm. why I have a hard time with Devonta Freeman. Same thing. I draft mm-hmm. Freeman. I have to take Coleman. And that's even a bigger worry because Coleman is going to get drafted in a decent spot anyway. But now his value right. goes up higher because no one believes Freeman can stay healthy, including me. McCoy is in the same boat here. I just don't like the idea of doing that. Plus, you're throwing that the uh, Bills' offense is bad. You know, regardless mm-hmm. of the quarterback is McCarron, Peterman, Allen, Joe Ferguson, it's Jim shocking. Kelly. I don't care Peterman who it is. has a chance to win this job. Can you believe this? <laughs> That's about the saddest thing you could. I, I know a lot of Bills fans, man. The fact that mm-hmm. Peterman could—I mean, I don't know how they're not on suicide watch. <laughs> uh, how did this team yeah. end their their playoff drought last year? I mean, good, I guess it's a good thing they did because they ain't seen the playoffs this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about the uh, Mets fans being offered free counseling for depression based on how bad their team has been. I think the Bills going to need the same deal. But uh, let's move on. Uh, stay in the AFC East. Um, yeah, tight end, I think it's kind of a, a thin position. But uh, with the Dolphins, this uh, uh, Mike Gesicki uh, developing, uh, supposedly, to a favorite Ryan Tannehill target. So, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, waiting on, uh, you know, getting a tight end, this uh, Gesicki might be someone that you uh, might get, you know, late in drafts. 
Yeah, I'm not a Ryan Tannehill believer. I uh, mm-hmm. really never have been. Uh, I just I just don't think he's ever going to amount to anything other than an average NFL quarterback. And fantasy-wise, really, nothing yeah. more than a low-end uh, quarterback, too, at best. But as for Kasicki, we've seen Tannehill. I mentioned Charles Clay earlier. Charles Clay was with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Tannehill used him and used him in the red zone often. So this could be something that could develop here. Now, is Kasicki a top-12 tight end? No, he's not. But let's say you draft Jordan Reed. Let's mm-hmm. say you draft Tyler mm-hmm. Eifert. If you draft those two guys, you're almost saying, well, now I have to draft the second tight end to cover myself right. for the, uh, you know, the inevitable injuries. But Kosicki's a guy you could pair up with him. I, I wouldn't. I think there's best, still better options out there. But I, I could see it. If you want to uh, pair up Eifert with Kosicki or Reed with Kosicki, fine. You know, and then you mm-hmm. make, make a game decision depending on health each day. I don't. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. I, just, I think there are other guys I'd rather do it with. But if you have high hopes for Kosicki, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I just don't think I don't think you want to go into a draft drafting Gasicki all by yourself. And my only problem with that is, unless you're playing in a league with eight bench spots, I don't like wasting a uh, bench spot on a second tight end. Not a big mm-hmm. fan of that. But that being said, if I were to draft Reed or Eifert, if that's my plan to wait on tight end, wait till round nine, wait till round ten, load up on running backs and wide receivers before that, then you're going in there knowing that you're going to uh, waste. Uh, I shouldn't say waste to spend a, uh, a reserve pick on a second tight end. Then I'm okay with that. I understand that. If that's your plan going in, that I, you know, I'm waiting forever. I'm not drafting Kelsey Ertz, not spending a fourth round pick on these guys. Certainly not Gronk in the second round. I'm gonna wait to draft Eifert or Reed, whichever one I think the value is there, and then I'll, I'll get a second tight end to cover myself. I'm okay with that. My thinking is this, though, uh, Joe. You know, tight end really only has ten, really ten starters, man. You want to go a little? You want to include Kittle or you know Najoku, which I really wouldn't include them. But they have ten decent players mm-hmm. there. They're going to be a lot of. You know, tight end twos. A lot more tight end twos than tight end ones. Well, you can stream mm-hmm. each week. So I, I'd still rather not spend that second, uh, another reserve spot, another bench spot on a second tight end. Even if someone were to take Kosicki, there'll be someone else out there you can grab week to week. You know, that you'll look at the matches. Oh, this is this could be a good week for Jared Cook. This could be a good If and when Antonio Gates gets signed by San, oh, Los Angeles, almost said it. <laughs> uh, I, I could plug him in there. Hayden Hurst, someone like that. Ricky Seals-Jones, Orson Severian Jenkins, yeah. Benjamin Watson. There is a ton of tight end twos out there. I'd still advise, unless you're playing in a league that has more than five bench spots, I'd still advise not to take a second tight end. Mm. Yeah, uh, You mentioned Njoku, uh, who uh, I think you and I both be kind of you know like him. You know, there's a little upside, but uh, and it's only – Second week of camp, but supposedly uh, he hasn't looked very good. He's had a uh, case of the drops. Uh, it's early, but, you know, it's just something to note. Yeah, I heard that, too, and it's uh, it's concerning somewhat. But you know what? In some ways, that can be good because if you're aiming mm-hmm. to get a Joku, well, maybe he just fell off a lot of some people's boards. He's barely mm-hmm. a, t- uh, he's a high-end tight end, too. So he may mm-hmm. not be drafted anyway, but this could be good for you if you still believe. You right. said it. It's August 4th. I'm not going right. to be overly concerned yet. If this happens, you know, we're still doing a talk about this in three weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, then maybe I'll stay away from him. But I do have hopes for Njoku. He is, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, a sleeper. As far mm-hmm. as if you want to wait forever on a tight end, where you can take a shot at him. And once again, if you're waiting past, like, the top eight, nine, ten guys at most, then you really are taking some chances here. Where you maybe take a sleeper and maybe you have to look at, okay, this is, doesn't work out. I'll pick up this guy in two weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the problem with tight end. There really aren't 12 starters. 
Right. Where do you have the uh, Bucks tight ends in your rankings? Uh, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. You know, I saw some news that O.J. Howard is looking really good. I mean, you can't deny uh, his talent. You know, I, I last uh, year and last year's draft, O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram were the two top tight ends that were looked at. And uh, Ingram had a very good year. And uh, O.J. Howard, you know, uh, didn't have a terrible year. But, you know, it's just uh, an uneven, typical rookie season that a tight end will have. Where do you have uh, Brait and Howard ranked this season? Well, you, you can't compare Howard and Ingram. They're different types of tight ends. Ingram's a pass-catching tight end. That's what he does well. And, uh, Howard is your overall tight end. You know, mm-hmm. uh, which one you would draft but today. But he as has far as talent fantasy. in catching the ball as well. But you're right. Ingram is more like a wide receiver, right? <laughs> if you were drafting uh, an NFL team today, it depends on what you want there. Do you want someone who it could do it all, block, catch the ball, or do you want someone who's a, uh, pretty much a wide receiver playing tight end? And that's what Ingram is. Depends on what uh, your, the kind of type of offense you're running here. Howard was a gift to Tampa Bay when he fell to them in the draft. All right, teams mm-hmm. passed up on him, but they didn't need him because you had Cameron Bray. This is why I've said it many times this offseason. I was very surprised when they re-signed Cameron Bray. Yeah. 47, yeah. 47, 42, whatever he got, $7 million a year. I thought that was strange. He got more than me and you make. I thought that was strange because... And the you know, 30 years ago, before a salary cap, don't care. You know, a sign a player, sign a player. In this day and age of the salary cap, Howard's going to be damn good. Why did you need to sign Bray? Yeah, eventually that's – when Howard, especially when Howard's contract comes up, which is in, what, two years, you're not going to like this at all. Have to pay two top tight ends. doesn't make a lot of sense there. So that was surprising. Maybe by then you uh, Bray won't have much guaranteed money coming to him. You can let him go. So I wonder if that's the reason there. But to answer your question, they pretty much cannibalize each other. You know, it's just it's going to be a problem because mm-hmm. when both are out there, you can run two tight end sets. But, you know, they, I mean, the Patriots were, did it and they were very successful doing it with Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski. But yeah, that's a rarity. Yeah. You don't see mm-hmm. and that's what Tom Brady and, you know, Bill Belichick pulling the uh, strings there. It's very difficult to do. Plus, you got Mike mm-hmm. Evans there. You know, he's going to need his catches. I don't see this being great for either tight end. That's why neither one's a tight end one. I think uh, if if one or the other wasn't there, the other one will be a tight end one be in that 10 mm-hmm. to 12 range and your problem solved there you take that guy but the fact that they're both there hurts both plus you throw in the suspension to winston you know if it's yeah. Patrick's gonna start three games in some ways it's a it's a mess in tampa bay i'm not drafting either one of these guys if one shows they're gonna be the main guy there fine but i you know what's going to happen week two will be a break game week four is a howard game good luck figuring out week three it'll drive yeah. you insane Even if you have both trying to figure out which one to start that week will not be any fun yeah, waiver wire trends are going to go uh, crazy because one week, uh, you know, Howard would be the, if they're not drafted in, in the league, you know, he'll be the hot pickup and then Bray will be the hot pickup. But, I mean, I think I, in general, I think I want to avoid this whole Bucks offense. You, you know, even Mike Evans, I mean, you, you mentioned it. You know, Winston's going to be, uh, is it a two or four game suspension? Uh, and now I'm hearing that with the running game, I mean, who the heck knows what's going on there? I'm, I'm hearing Peyton Barber might be, you know, the guy, uh, you know, heading in that backfield. A lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of different uh, stories coming out of uh, Tampa Bay. I, I think I want to avoid this offense. Yeah, I can't blame you. <laughs> I, I can't go. I can't say, Joe. No, no, Joe. You'll be okay. No, I don't. I, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that mm-hmm. way at all. Mike Evans is close to another player. Ah, someone else grabbed him. Great. Another problem not to worry about. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's going to go in the second round too. So that's another pick. I don't have. I don't have any shares of him yet, and I'm not aiming to get any. 
Yeah, once again, he falls to be fine, but I'm not looking to get him. The running game, uh, it's there's too many guys. They need someone to break out. I assume it'll be Ronald Jones eventually. That's why you drafted him. But we I'm don't know what too, eventually but it, will be. I heard Barber, uh, they're looking at Barber big time too, but uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like I said, As I, for, I'm just avoiding it. Yeah. As for Winston, I wrote the, I wrote yesterday the column for uh, the Roto Exos. Roto Experts exclusive edge package about uh, quarterback twos, pretty much. Quarterback twos and super flex in uh, two quarterback leagues. And Winston's the guy that I think, for lack of a better term, that you end up with. And I don't mean that in a positive. You know, I mean, he's the guy where everybody, everybody else got drafted and Winston's still there. Fine. And Scott Fishbowl mm-hmm. was a perfect example of this for me. You know, I draft quarterbacks early. I was uh, I I was on the turn twelve and thirteen. I had the last uh, pick, and I think in the third and fourth round there was a big quarterback run between my top of my first pick in the second round and when I picked again. You mm-hmm. know, and I didn't. Uh, it was annoying, and I wasn't able to get a, a quarterback I wanted. And Winston's there, and the problem with Winston is two things. One, uh, I mean, you don't know he's out the three games. Week four could be a bust too, for all you know. You know, because mm-hmm. once again, you don't know how he can't practice with the team for those three weeks. You don't know how he's going to perform in week four. So you're really looking at week five, and it also means now, <clears throat> just like with the running backs I mentioned, you have to take another quarterback, another mm-hmm. good quarterback. I'm not talking to some schlep at the end, or, you know, just a reserve. I need a starting quarterback. Yes, it could be Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I can wait. You know, or I got to take someone else who I might like a lot better. So Winston is the guy you end up with because he causes other problems. And I did end up taking him because I didn't feel like I had a choice. I lucked out. I got Case Keenum. Uh, a couple of rounds later, which is a, th- a thrill for me, they end up with Keenum to, to cover for uh, Winston. Out- and Keenum can be a very good backup in a two-quarterback league. So yes. not complaining there, but that's what Winston is. He's the guy you end up with. I don't think he's the guy that anyone's aiming for. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to finish off as we head over to commercial, uh, we were talking Dolphins and Mike Gesicki. Um Another guy that's interesting on this Dolphins team, and I agree with you, I'm not a, I'm not a big Ryan Tannehill guy, but uh, Danny Amendola going to be looks like he's going to be playing out of the slot uh, in Miami, and he's a guy with just so much talent, but just you know just always hurt. So, uh, any chance like that you would uh, take a flyer on him late in a draft, uh, Danny Amendola? God, a guy we barely wanted when he was playing with Brady. He was always a waiver wire pickup, and now we're going to trust him with Tannehill. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could throw the ball more. There's not that many options there. That's, uh, that's you said the late in the draft, too. sure. Mm-hmm. Round fourteen guy, round thirteen guy, sure, but mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about what kind of a career this guy could have had had he been able to stay on the field. But uh, right, when we come back from commercial, uh, we'll continue uh, our camp uh, news. We're going to take a look at uh, what happened in New England. Jordan Matthews getting cut. Eric Decker getting signed. Got lots more for you on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network weekend fantasy update. 